Many podcasters stick with the normal podcasting practices, but you, you're different. You like to be different and try different things. You do it like this, and then you break the mold. This is Podcasting Experiments, and this is where we focus on different things that we can try with our podcast to make them different and hopefully better. You can check out the website at podcastingexperiments.com. My name is Joshua Rivers from Podcast Guy Media, where I help people start and produce their podcast. In today's episode of Podcasting Experiments, I'm excited to be able to have one of my clients with us, and his name is Robbie Samuels. He is a virtual event design consultant and executive producer. He is best known for his ability to network. He's also a speaker, author, and even has his own TEDx talk on networking. Now, most of his focus for the last 10 years has been on networking, and in that context was generally centered around in-person events. Well, after March 9th, 2020, when everything shut down, there was an obvious <laughs> an obvious void where that once stood. And so all of the in-person things went away. And so then he was left with having to quickly figure out, and he did quickly pivot and transitioned into how to be able to do things in a virtual setting. His podcast has been a support for his networking business that he did, and he was able to transition all of it during that time back in March and has grown in that area ever since. And so I'm excited to be able to share this conversation with you, and you'll be able to take away a lot of great things to be able to help you with your business, even facing a situation when the world completely changes and makes your business and your niche almost obsolete. So without any further ado, let's jump into this conversation that I had with Robbie. Hey everybody, I'm Robbie Samuels and I am a virtual event design consultant and executive producer. And none of those things were true six or so months ago. Prior to the pandemic, I was best known for my ability to network and I had been speaking on that topic and wrote a book on that topic and did a TEDx about networking at events. And I was you know, doing that for over a decade. And then come March 9th this year, all the things that I was best known for seemed to have no value in the world. Eye contacts, shaking hands, business cards, and body language. <laughs> Not super relevant. March 11th, I was trying to figure out how to show up and add value in this new world that we were living in. The next day, I wrote an article, Nine Ways to Network in a Pandemic. One of those ways was to do a virtual happy hour. I decided I was going to do that the next day. I did it the next day on March 13th, which is the day the world hit pause. And I have been hosting a virtual happy hour every week since. And from that, I have launched an entirely new business. I have a whole bunch of new ways I do revenue. I have a four-week certification program for people who are interested in getting better at Zoom. And I uh, help events go online, working with different organizations. That's where I am these days. And I'm still hosting my podcast. It's been over four years, over 200 episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way, on getting over 200. And so nowadays, it's a congratulations to get past 10 and be able to make it that far is fabulous. And for those listening, I've been able to work with Robbie through that whole time. He came to me and started out with... It's like, yeah, I, I did some things over here and I posted them over here on SoundCloud, but I wanted to 
make it more professional and get a podcast going. And I'm like, sure, let's make it happen. And fast forward four years and it's been incredible to be able to see all the changes and how everything's working out. I was going to actually say that you and I met actually a little over five years before this recording because I was trying to figure out, it was like July 2015 and I was, I had this great idea for a podcast, but I wasn't willing to move forward until I found an editor. And uh, by the time you and I met, which was probably like the fall we connected, I had recorded, you know, one with a friend of mine. I had done my own audio editing, which was enough for me to know that was not my thing. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, I was just trying to get the music to lower it during the intro. And like the amount of time it took me to figure that out. You and I met, I had no planned budget. I had no income from the podcast, but I knew this was going to be really important for my business. And you seem like the right person to kind of guide me forward. And for the first year, I did all my own show notes and I did all my own promotion for it. But the one thing I had, I, you, were, you were my team. <laughs> my team was, I had an editor. And um, it also kept me committed, like knowing I had to get you a file every week. And you just made a joke about getting past 10. The average, I think, is 20 episodes in six months. Um, uh, sorry, 12 episodes in six months is the 10-year the average that uh, one study I, I remember seeing. And so the one way I did that was I actually had 12 episodes recorded and ready to go before I launched four, an intro and three episodes, and then I had the other eight or nine like ready to go. And that eventually I ended up building out my team uh, around this to keep it sustainable. But it wasn't until a year later that I actually launched. Like, like I, I had a kid in that time period. <laughs> There's a lot going on. But ever since July of 2016, I've had a weekly show. I take Christmas and, and years off, but 50 episodes a year. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I, I forgot some of those details of that meeting. I do remember that during, I can't, I can't remember if it was our first time talking, but we were talking for over an hour trying to get things figured out there in those early stages. And I was at the library and I reserved one of those like little study room kind of things that my kids were coming in and out. And it's so, yeah. <laughs> Great memories. But anyway, so coming back to your business, let's let's look back at what you did uh, pre-COVID in in regards to your podcast. You mentioned that you did all the promotion and stuff yourself at first, but obviously that kind of changed and but not just promotion of the podcast, but promotion of your your business and and what you did. So what things have you done? or did you do prior to to COVID to be able to promote your business? And then we'll transition to what you are doing now for promoting promoting and marketing. So back in the day, I had a job, uh, a J-O-B, and I worked, my career was in nonprofit and fundraising. And I had started speaking on the side. So for five years, those two things happened concurrently. And then I left the job, left the career to focus on a business, wanted, wanted to find an entirely new audience from the people I had been speaking in front of and got lost because there's a lot you can do. So you get all excited about all the shiny objects. And it was around that time that I, December 2014, I started listening to Smart Passive Income, Pat Flynn. And I really, I fell in love with what he was doing. And of course, he got a zillion ideas from him and his guests. And finally realized a few months later, like I would say probably four or five months in, wait a second, this is what I need to be doing, this medium. Instead of thinking about all these 
it, it wasn't about getting rich quick. It was about like, what is the medium that I can express myself? So I wanted there to be a show about networking, but I didn't want it to be a show of just like a bunch of networking tips because A, that would be boring even for me and I love networking, but also there aren't <laughs> that many tips because it's, I don't know, it's common sense to a large degree. And what I did for the first year is that every other episode was an eight or so, eight to 10 minute uh, solo episode. And then the other ones were interviews. They're about, I'd say 40, 45 minutes long. And I partly did that because I wanted to showcase my talent in this area. And I didn't at the time know how to do that as a host. And the other part was I didn't know when I launched if I was going to immediately have a long list of, of great guests. And I launched and immediately like that week, I went to a conference and I left with 12 A-list names <laughs> and 10 of them booked with me within the next four months. And so my guests, I'm going to say like caliber really shot up. It wasn't just the people I knew locally who are all amazing people, but it was like I was pulling from a national and even somewhat international crowd. And so the promotion, what's interesting is my business has always been served by the podcast, but I'm not directly making money. I am the sponsor of my show. That's how I think of it. Like it's not, I'm not giving some third party like airtime. Mm -hmm. I'm not making money that way. My business and who I am and what I do and fast forward, now what I've been doing the last, I don't know, probably two and a half years, I write an email each week and I read it, I perform it. <laughs> I perform it on air and I record it and I give it to your team and your team, that's my intro. And I do an intro and a little outro that's pretty brief. And that's been the way I've been able to infuse like in three minutes, a little bit of who I am and what I believe and what I do and so the, every episode actually starts with that, and that's part of my marketing. So it's different things I'm thinking about, and they always include a challenge, like your challenge this week. And people respond to the emails. People tell me they hear things on, it reminds them. Sometimes they listen to the show weeks later, and they go, oh, right, that's right, Robbie said to do this. And then I have a VA. Initially, I had one VA to help me with just getting all the production parts, like getting it onto Libsyn. And then I started using Meet Edgar and getting it posted in all the social places. And then I hired someone to do uh, my show notes. And now that one person's doing all of that. She's doing my show notes, but she writes my tweets. She posts in all the different places. And she's got it down to a, a science. Like after doing it a bunch of times, it, it doesn't take her very long. She puts together like the draft intro and all of those things. My focus is I line up the guests. I interview the guests. And I love that that's my main job. <laughs> like all the rest of it, happens and I spend money each year on making it happen that way. But it wouldn't be sustainable if I was in charge of all these other pieces. I, it wouldn't happen. And I want my show to come out every single Tuesday. And that's what I've been doing. Well, excellent. Excellent. And so I, I really love the way that through your story, there, there's all the different things that, that you learn to change and you learn to pivot as the environment changed as you changed as you started seeing how the needs of other people changed and you just kept adapting. And I think that's really important for someone that is trying to start a business or someone that is trying to just grow their, or just even just trying to survive over the last six months is you can't always just rely on doing everything the way that you did it before because everything changes. And, and so it's very interesting. I mean, there's, and so like with you, you like totally changed your business and, and what you're doing. And so still similar thing. It sounds in like networking type thing, but doing it in a totally different way. And yeah, for me, events are about content 
and connection if you really boil down to the essence of what our event's about. And that was always my message before. That was the why we got on planes back in the day when we, moment of silence, used to get on planes. <laughs> and it wasn't just for content. We went there to meet people. And now that virtual is the way we are learning and connecting, we need to make sure that's happening. And so that somehow morphed where I'm now like technically really proficient with Zoom. I have this four-week program where I'm, I actually certify people. They become certified virtual event professionals, hashtag no more bad Zoom. And I have both speakers and meeting professionals who've gone through that. And then I have different organizations that have me coming to do employee engagement programs or one or two day conferences or socials for their you know, events or something like that. So it's been really fun and exciting. And I love that I both get to be behind the scenes doing the tech piece, but I'm also an MC, so I get to be in front of it. And I have to say, being a podcast host, I'm not afraid of a microphone. That's, I've had how many hours sitting and talking to people. And so I believe like part of my MC skill today, which is a big part of why I think I get hired for a job, is tied back to the hours that I've sat through different conversations. When I first did my show, the first, I would say, five interviews, I didn't turn, maybe even six, I didn't turn the camera on. And the reason I used the camera, I was recording through Skype at the time, but I didn't use the camera because I had a piece of paper with my questions printed and I, was, I had it like in my hands in front of me, like I held it and I was looking down at them the whole time and I didn't want like them to see the top of my head the whole time. <laughs> it wasn't very, I knew that wouldn't be very engaging. And I knew those first five or six people really well. They were friends of mine from my community. And then by, I got through that list and then all of a sudden I was interviewing these people from that conference that I had met them at, the National Speakers Association. So by then I had to get comfortable glancing at the notes and then, I don't know, I moved a couple of years ago and I don't even know what those notes are. Like I hadn't been using them. <laughs> and so I get on, a, I just get on and I go and, and I actually just got invited. It's actually a huge honor. The National Speakers Association has a podcast and the woman who's been hosting the show reached out and asked me to be a guest host so I could interview her on a topic. And she said that I, I interviewed her for my show and she said, you're, you're one of the best and most engaging hosts I've ever seen or heard <laughs> or been interviewed by. So she prepped three questions and she says, I'm only prepping three questions because I know you'll do follow-up questions. It'll be the right follow-up questions. And that's a huge, that's like a huge acknowledgement of the work that I've done from when I was clutching my piece of paper. So I always say, please don't judge me in my first three episodes, but you're welcome to judge me in my last three because the goal is improvement. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You made several great points actually, but yeah, that's a really good point there is that people always think that they have to have it perfect out of the gate. And that's definitely not the truth. It's just get started and learn from it. And you mentioned that you did 12 off the bat. And that gives you a lot of practice right up front. And so that, that's a really good thing. Another thing I think that was important that, that you mentioned there, and it was just a subtle mentioning. You mentioned earlier that you haven't gotten like business directly from the podcast, but your podcast does feed your business. And there's also, as you just explained, there's a lot of other benefits and ways that you can profit, so to speak, from a podcast that isn't monetary. And so you've been able to gather a lot of skills that has been able to land you a lot of other opportunities that never would have been there before. Absolutely. And I think that one of the best benefits of a podcast is the networking aspect with the guests. So I've had 
just amazing people on my show who many of whom wouldn't take time or wouldn't have time to have coffee with me. Both geographically, we don't live near each other, but they also wouldn't take like the 20 minutes to have a coffee chat online. Like we just, they're just busy people, like just random. But I've had an hour with them. You have the chit chat before you have the interview and you have a little chit chat afterwards. And then I usually say, look, I'm giving you the gift of time, six minutes back on your calendar you didn't know you'd have. And then we end it a little before the hour and they're always like, oh, look at that. (laughs) I'm like, yep, I know you're a busy person. Think about however you want to use that six minutes. (laughs) Enjoy. and. That, that those relationships, people know me. Like they absolutely, are, they know me, they're going to refer me, they learn more about what I do, I get on their radar, I can nurture those relationships ongoing. The second amazing benefit is that I have content to share. I am not someone who wants to write a blog post. Like I wasn't, I would say it's funny, I now commit to a weekly email. But at the time when I started this, like the idea of writing anything regularly gave me the heebie-jeebies. I was like, oh, I don't want to do that. <laughs> speaking, I was fine with the fact that I have regular content to share with the, with my network, with her, share with my followers, share with my world. And it's quality content because I have these quality guests. And so that's the other really great benefit. And then there's the fact that I actually, I did get uh, business, I would say pretty directly off this show, which has paid for a bit of the work. I met a woman at a conference and as I was shaking her hand, she didn't let go. And she said, I'm surprised you don't recognize me. You're in, my, you're in my head all the time when I'm driving around New England. <laughs> and I was like, do you listen to my show? And she's finally let go of my hand. And, <laughs> and she said, yes. And she's like, can I hug you? So I hug her. And then- Pre-COVID. <laughs> she, yeah, pre-COVID, right, for those listening. And then we, we go and we cross paths again two months later at a meeting. and I invite everyone in the meeting. Hey, I'm going to do lunch after. Does anyone want to come? She's the only person who came and we're sitting across from each other and talking. And also she's like, I want to work with you. And I I know about your group program, but I don't really want a group program. I want to work with you one-on-one. What would that look like? And that was a great six month engagement. So like, that's the kind of thing I made 10 grand. It was like just from talking and having that opportunity. Oh, okay. And she's the, the loyalty and the trust built by me being in her head all those years. She's an early listener. She, by the time I'd met her, she'd been listening for three and a half years. <laughs> a dedicated <laughs> listener. And I'm like, wow. Like, she just found me. She's like, oh, you're the best people. I always learn things. I always want to like stop and take notes, but I'm driving and I have to like think about what, what I'm going to remember. So sometimes it's direct like that. It's also a lot of times I will say because of this, when people meet me and they look up my social network as far as who I know on LinkedIn or who I know on Facebook or whatever they're trying to figure out, I know a lot of people they know in whatever industry. I, there's sort of proof of relationship. Oh, wow. He seems to know all those people. And, that, and the reason I know all those people is because I probably interviewed a lot of them. So it's just also useful in that way. Yeah, it's, I love this medium. I absolutely love this medium. Yeah, absolutely. And so I definitely feel the same way. I stepped away from the microphone for a while because I've been producing podcasts for other people, but I'm excited to be uh, back on the microphone on on this side of the podcast to be able to uh, make connections like that. And so I love that. And so being able to talk with people I've already known, but also looking forward to really being able to talk to people that I haven't known before and be able to learn and be able to hopefully make some new connections and network and network a little bit more that way. And so I, I really love that. 
And so now what are some of the ways that you've done um, that you've tried to promote your podcast? Where do you share it or how do you share it and different things like that? Because I know that's something a lot of people tend to struggle with. They think, oh, I'm just going to take it. I'm just going to put a post on Twitter real quick and then they leave it at that. Yeah. So again, working with my VA has been so great. Each time I, I this is my third VA doing this role and now it's all systematized, like each one of them added to that system. So I think that's the one thing is when you're doing it by yourself, um, start to think about how to systematize it. Even if you never plan to hire someone, it just makes life happen so much easier than like I, for a while I was like, I know there's a certain aspect of the role that I have to do where I feel like open five web pages and I do certain things in each one the night that it publishes. I finally made, I used a one tab, one-tab.com where I got to just save those five browser tabs and then I can just open them. And then I don't, so I don't have to be like, which one, what's the order? So like little things can really help. But we, when I say we, my VA writes, I would say four to six tweets and those go out. We also have a long form article on LinkedIn. And then there's a post on LinkedIn as well. There's a graphic for each episode. So the graphic is used for the article and for the post. And then it's also shared both on my personal Facebook and in two groups on Facebook as well with with the graphic. And when I post on LinkedIn and I post my personal page, I tag the the guests. And one of the things I do is every time I post on LinkedIn and, and Facebook, I post this week's episode with a quote and I post, did you miss last week's episode with the last week's quote? And then a little summation of what my show is about. And I so I'm actually tagging both those people and then I have a weekly email and I write a little story with a Your Challenge This Week section. And then there is a this week's podcast and then one from the archives. And so I don't know when I started doing the one from the archives, but it was probably after at least 50, might have been after 100 actually. So I realized that, yeah, I realized that there's just so much good content that I aired so long ago. So every week I just like, the next one in the series. They're not, they're not actually 100 apart. I don't even know how far apart they are, but they're quite a bit apart. And it's just a really nice way to resurface content from earlier. Mm-hmm. And then I have my little PS. And so that goes out and that's probably where a lot of people get it. But I will say I hesitated to, to send an email for a long time because when I had the show, I had the show for a year and a half before I had a, a weekly email. I didn't want to just send an email that was like, here's this week's link. Because I figured if they really wanted just that, they would subscribe. (laughs) And I just didn't know if that was adding enough extra value. So figuring out how to write a little story and do the little year challenge this week. And people have really, really engaged with that content a lot, which has been wonderful um, to see that happen in the last two and a half years. And then most recently, my biggest influx of followers and subscribers and all that is actually because I host a weekly no more bad Zoom virtual happy hour every Friday at five o'clock Eastern. And that is from that first one I did on March 13th. It morphed into this. I've done it over six months now. I mean, we're about to hit seven months of me doing this. We've had, I've had over 800 people sign up for that since April and 50 or 60 people come each week. They've learned about what I do and the byproduct is they realize I have a podcast. They get on my email list. They learn about it that way. So I think having a different mediums of you know, hosting helps bring people in. Well, excellent, excellent. If there's someone that's looking at getting started with a podcast, so they haven't actually started, but they're thinking about it, what would be something that you would say to them as they 
get started. Make sure you do this or make sure you don't do that or whatever. So I just got introduced um, to this uh, young woman who's 22 years old. She's a college student, her last year of college. And I got introduced to her because she cold emailed someone about being a guest in her show. Her show is about networking. And, and 20, I think she's, do, she's doing 10 minutes, 10 minutes, and it's tips, and it's basically geared towards a college crowd. And so the person who she cold emailed said, you should also talk to his Robbie. I must have spent an hour talking her ear off about, about our show and how excited I was for her show. And one of the things I said to her is she had to commit to doing it for two years. She had planned to do five episodes. <laughs> the more I talked to her, though, and then I gave her a list of eight networking experts that I'd interviewed in the last six months, maybe, maybe close to a year, maybe the last year. And I was like, I can, here's a list. Listen to all these shows. I'm happy to make introductions. At least four will answer you right away. So just trying to show her and that and show her that if she did this and then she graduates and she actually already had a job lined up, this would be a way for her to build out her network super fast. And if she's interviewing people who know how to network, those people know how to network. They're going to introduce her to all the right people. And if I could give anything to myself when I was 22 or 25, it would be to do a podcast. I just think it's so much, it's, that's how valuable it is. I, it's the first thing I did for my business before I coached, before I had a, before I had a book, before I did a TEDx. Like I had a podcast and I've kept it as a steady part of my business. So I think that's the first thing. And part of the committing for two years is that you're going to get better as you do it and you aren't going to see massive results right away. And I almost stopped my show at two years. I think you even know this, mm -hmm. that I was talking about starting a second podcast and I got really, really serious about the second podcast. I've been thinking about it for a year and a half, almost to the point that I launched the first one. I even went and registered a trademark for the new show. Like I was super deadly serious. I haven't done trademarks for the rest of my work, but that one I did. <laughs> and then someone helped me realize that I had built something up in my business and my podcast to such a point that I was starting over again. And my show in the last two plus years has been so much better. It's been so much more fun. I'm really relaxed as a host. I'm really confident as a host. The quality of the guests have all been like phenomenal. People have been, I, the number of pitches I get is just like inane. <laughs> I have two guests, every two out of three guests are women. And I, but I probably get pitched the opposite, at least closer to three out of three men. It's amazing how many men I get pitched. But I just, I'm so glad I didn't give it up. I'm so glad. And if anything, the longer you stick with it, people are like, wow, your show is four years or 200 episodes. And it's, if you don't quit, you just, your show keeps going. <laughs> yeah, I have a question there then. So you mentioned there about like, you go keep up in the value and the, the quality keeps going up, you're getting better guests and things like that. Uh, obviously just going longer doesn't just automatically get you there. So what can you point to that you do or set up or whatever that allows you to be able to keep looking at that? What are you looking for or how does that look like? All right. I think I know your question, but let me tell you if I'm answering it when I say this. I have a goal when I interview someone that they'll share something they haven't shared a zillion other times on other interviews. That is a goal. I don't tell them that in advance. I ask them at the end whether I achieve that goal. And partly to get that goal, and this actually from that, that podcast I got included as a part of, I've just blanked on the name of it. But I have an intro question. My first question is, how do you define leadership? And when did you realize you had the skills to lead? And that's purposely a two-part question. 
And most people answer the first part right away because they, they know that question in advance and they come with their definition. And when they go to answer the second question, they often tell me something about their early career or their grad school or college. And then I go, oh yeah, that's great. But what were you like as, on the playground? Or, hey, did you ever run for office when you were in school? Well, who'd you look up to when you were a kid? Did you have anyone you know, in your life like that? Or did, it, did someone see leadership potential in you? Like I asked some sort of follow-up question that gets them to share a story about being a kid and growing up. Those are stories they've not told before. It makes them reminisce and it, can, it just transforms the quality of the rest of our conversation. People forget that we are actually recording and they get real and they share things throughout the rest of the conversation about the challenges they faced and things they've overcome and things they've done to build their business. And it's just more real. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, they're more likely to then share the content because it's not the story they've told dozens. I've interviewed people that have literally been hundred, had been on 300 interviews. So they're not going to, they're not promoting 300 interviews because that's every day they'd have to promote one. Mm -hmm. But when they, when something interesting happens on a show, that's the show they want to push out. So by me having the ability to make my guests really interesting, then they want to share that with their followers because it sheds light on them in a way that they've never done before. And that gets more listeners to come in uh, and listen to the show. So I actually think my, probably my best technique for my PR is my honing my skills as a host to help my guests shine and not just do the like, oh, thanks. Next question, please. <laughs> I'm totally trying to engage. Yeah. So is there any resource or any, any place that you've used to be able to improve in that skill? Honestly, it's doing it. It's doing it. And my four-week program that I've mentioned is called the 5% Advantage Program because I believe that continuous improvement is the goal. And so if you get 5% better every time you interview someone, Think about how skilled you're going to be a year from now. When you get to episode 100, two years from now, think about your skill level. And it's really, it's just going from that kid who I was grasping the piece of paper and didn't want to look up. And then I used to listen to my show and then take out takeaways and do a little recording at the end with my takeaways. But then I got better at just doing the takeaways on the fly, being like, oh, that was really interesting. Like, here's what I just heard. Like, listeners, pay attention. Here's the thing. Like, I got better at doing that on the spot and not being, I don't know, just like nervous about it. And it wasn't, yeah, it's not like I went to a training. Just an example, Toastmasters is a great way to learn how to speak. But what are you doing? You're actually doing a talk every time you go. Like you keep doing a talk, right? So the formula isn't really a mystery. It's like you, you do it and you also get feedback. So part of the Toastmasters is the peers give you feedback. And so that's, I think if you want to really get better is do it and then ask people who know what they're doing for feedback. And that could also be a way to sort of, you know, hasten the speed at which you improve. Yeah, I can't think of anything in particular that was a resource for that. The questions, the question idea is part of my research when I was first starting my show, but, and that I'm just like, but mostly I just think is try to get people out of their like spiel and get them to be real about something. Mm hmm Excellent. Excellent. I appreciate you taking the time and, and sharing all of this. And so I know people are definitely going to get some things. So if, I know there are a lot of nuggets that were dropped along the way. And, and so, I, so I hope that you listening go back and 
listen to that again. If you didn't take notes, you need to take notes or go back to the show notes because we're going to make sure that they're all in there as well. So make sure to do that. So Robbie, thank you again for uh, being with us today. Where can people find out more about you? Fantastic. My podcast is called On the Schmooze and Schmooze is S-C-H-M-O-Z-E and it's available wherever you're listening to this show. I also have a weekly virtual happy hour that I mentioned and you can learn more about that at nomorebadzoom.com and that's free every Friday, five o'clock Eastern. It's a really fun way to network and discover new ways to design engaging online events. And so come and join us for that as well. And then RobbieSamuels.com is just good where everything lives. You'll learn about everything that I do and all the resources that I have on my website, RobbieSamuels.com. All of the links that Robbie mentioned are going to be in the show notes. So if you want to get the show notes, you can just scroll over in your podcast app or you can go to PodcastingExperiments.com and the show notes will be right there. You can be able to get the links and check out everything that he mentioned. If you would like to be able to get any help with your podcast, I would love to be able to have a conversation with you. I am just opening up an opportunity for one or two people to be able to work with them one-on-one in a high capacity, actually managing the entire podcasting process. And so I do this with one of my clients. Most of my clients, I do mostly just the audio editing. But with one of my clients, I go through and I help him with pretty much every facet of his podcasting process. And that includes everything from planning podcast episodes, booking guests, and helping to be able to prepare all of those things before recording. And then after he records, I take everything and I do the audio editing. I help produce the show notes and the graphics and I publish it, help share it on social media and everything in between. There's a lot of little things that go on with the podcasting process. And if you're wanting help with that, I would love to be able to have a conversation with you and be able to see if that's something that would be a fit for what you're doing in your business and how I can be able to help be able to facilitate that. So again, if you're interested in that, you can send me an email. It's Joshua at podcastguymedia.com. And again, there'll be a link in the show notes to be able to make that easy for you to be able to just click and send me an email. Even if you're not looking for a full production, if you're looking for any help with your podcast at all, I am definitely open to be able to helping you with whatever stage you're in, whether you're just getting started or you've been podcasting for a while and just uh, need help with the editing or you want show notes or just some consulting or something like that. So open for any of that. would love to be able to help you with that. Now, next week, I am looking forward to be able to have a conversation with Case Lane and what she is doing with podcasting. And she's actually taking the opposite view than what we've been talking about generally. Mostly, we've been talking about having a your own podcast and being the host of your own podcast and using that as a marketing arm of your business. Case Lane's going to talk a little bit about that, but mostly we're going to talk about what it's like as a guest on a podcast and casting yourself as a guest and promoting yourself as a guest and being able to get onto other people's shows to be able to promote your business. And she shares a lot of great insights as we get into that conversation. So come back next episode to be able to get all of that 
And I'm looking forward to sharing that with you. All right. Thank you very much. And God bless. Thanks for listening to this episode of Podcasting Experiments. If you found this episode helpful, share it with someone you think would also benefit. Together, let's help raise the bar for podcasting. Check out the website at podcastingexperiments.com. Do you want to take your podcast to the next level, but just don't have the time to make it happen? Is your time stretched to the max, struggling just to get your next podcast episode out? Do you need help just getting started? Podcast Guy Media can offer the solution to both recover your time and improve your podcast. Go to podcastguymedia.com and find out how.